All right, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 25 this morning. Probably a familiar passage to many of you. We'll be revisiting uh, that passage if you are aware of it. And Hebrews is just, it's an amazing book. Uh, We don't really, at the end of the day, know who wrote the book. However... You can, you can see indicated even the reading today that we're going to have that whoever wrote the book knew these people. Because again, we don't even know exactly who it went to. It's just simply Hebrews, right? It was, it's not Ephesus or Colossae. Instead, just Hebrews. So, don't know who, who wrote it. We don't know exactly who it was written to. However, whoever wrote it knew who they were writing to. Notice there's a little hint here today of just that. Hopefully you can pick it up as we're moving through here. Let's start reading here in Hebrews. Oh, I, I wanted to mention too, uh, a little moment ago, you know, some of you were, were gathering in um, at the last hour, you know what I mean? And so I looked over here and we had a huge youth department, you know what I mean? Like a whole, huge youth group over. I was like, man, well, they showed up. I wonder where all the adults went, you know? So uh, anyway, I just uh, wanted to point that out. And, well, I'll have to do it another time. We don't have time, so sorry. Forgive me. There's another thought, but nonetheless, let's get to the word here. Hebrews 10, and then notice here, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. How precious is your word to us. And Lord, if it's not precious to us really today, may you make it precious in the next few moments that we have together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Didn't you love that we prayed like four or five times already in this service? I mean, I I love a service that just break out into praying, you know, at any given moment. Not only that, the reading of God's word. And all these things are important on a Sunday worship. And what we've been talking about in our series called Easter Effects are the effects of Easter. And today I want to talk about faith and keeping faith. The, uh, again, writer of Hebrews here is pretty strong in a few things. Really, two things can sum up the whole book. One is it is an exhortation. We actually think, concerning Hebrews, that it's sort of a sermon series. Like, if you actually read it, it reads as almost he's got this sermon series that probably wasn't able to be delivered in one Sunday, but took multiple Sundays. But now he packages this together and sends it off. Interestingly, it doesn't have an epistolary introduction, even though it's an epistle. However, it ends with a typical epistolary 
conclusion. And so it's fascinating that he just starts out really with a sort of a bang sermon here, and ultimately it's one long sermon that is doing this, proving the supremacy of Christ. In other words, he's greater than, you name it, he's greater than that, greater than the angels, greater than the sacrificial system, greater than the temple. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater, he's greater, he's greater. And then the second thing that the writer of Hebrews is doing, he is not only exhorting these individuals that he knows and is writing to, but he is also warning them. Now, it's something that I often ask when when people are interpreting Hebrews is, why would he give them warnings if we can't turn away? If we can't make shipwreck of our faith, why does he warn us about it? Very strong warnings, by the way. Multiple warnings through the text. Do not fall away. Do not allow your faith to become shipwrecked. And quite frankly, I've had too many people in my life who I've watched fall in love with Jesus, be delivered from things, and then later on find out they made shipwreck of their faith. Somehow along the way, they lost faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing people that I love who need Jesus completely blinded again because they do not have the light of Christ in their life. Have you ever had a loved one like that? Lost their way? They ran aground in their faith? Let's not chance it. You say... I'm above that. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's why he's warning them, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. The warnings are there because the reality is real. We can lose faith. We can lose hope. We can run aground. And as I said, it is very heartbreaking to me that some of my friends have done just that. One of the cases that impacted me probably the most was a fellow Marty who used to live with us. So when Justin and I were, we were little bitty, I mean probably 10 and 9, and uh, he came to live with us because he was in bad shape. He had just gotten saved, he was coming out of some uh, bad circumstances, and Dad just said, hey, come live with us for a little while and uh, we'll get you back on your feet and send you out, you know. And, and he did. He, he, he did just that. I mean, the Lord really touched his heart. He's the one who, by the way, introduced us to video games, I think, properly. I mean, he, you know, the first laptop I ever saw, honestly, was, was his. I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. Like, how can you do that with a computer? You can take it around in a little thing, you know. Of course, it was a big thing then still, but, you know. And uh, SimCity, he, play, he played that, and it was like, we, we just loved him, you know. And, and he loved Jesus. He became... A minister, uh, he was called to preach, and he did that. And then he met, met a lady, and he began to make choices to put her before Jesus. You ever notice how the enemy, the Satan, the deceiver, will even give us good things. 
He will pull out the good things for us to pursue as long as we put Jesus second. The writer of Hebrews says, you cannot do that. Christ is supreme. There is no other. He must rule in my heart without rival. And yet we've all seen the rivalries that take place in our heart. It's fascinating the imagery that he uses here of the veil. You remember your Old Testament history and theology, right? The veil separated the holy of holies. Only the high priest could go in there only once a year. And it was sacred. Until Jesus died and rose again. And when he died is when it rent in two. Tore it wide open. In other words, hey, and this is his point here. You know, at large his point is, hey, he's opened up a new way for us. Like we don't have to go through a priest anymore. We can go directly to Jesus Christ. And he has this imagery of this veil. But I want to ask you this. Because what he ends up saying is he says, look, the, what, all I'm talking about here with the veil is actually his body. Did you catch that? It's his body. I wondered when I read that, what are we hiding in our veil, our body? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're in there, right? <laughs> Some of you are, at least today with me. Um, you're in there. You're in your body. What, what's in there? You know, we, we hide sometimes a lot of stuff behind this body. I mean, it's what we do as sinners, right? It's what our first parents did, isn't it? They sin, and then they do what? They go hide. They go hide. It's, the, it's literally the first thing that humans do after we sin is we go hide. And when we go hide, we don't start looking for God. We start hiding from God, and we start hiding from each other. They not only hide from God, they start trying to make clothes for themselves. Remember? Out of leaves. And none other than God comes looking for them. I mean, that alone is just beautiful. He comes looking for us when we're hiding. We're hiding from Him. He's looking for us. He's not a hidden God. He wants to be known. And He's calling out our names. He's calling you by name. And yet we want to hide in this body. No, the writer of Hebrews would say, look, no, let your flesh be torn open as well so God can come in and live in this body. The holy of holies. And that means the end of self. (laughs) So how do, we, how do we not make shipwreck of our faith? Let's just get right to it. How can we do that? How can we ensure that we stay the course? I mean, because some of us, we may be, right now, the flame is burning hard. It's burning hot and heavy. And it's just like any relationship. You must tend the flame. You must. I mean, I remember when I met... Jessica, for the first time, you know, there was this fire burning. You know what I mean? I wanted to be with her. She wanted to be with me. And we couldn't even hardly eat 
or work or I didn't get much schoolwork done. We were talking on the phone for oh, I would never do that now. I mean, that's just insane to talk on the phone that long. <laughs> Neither one of us would be like, hey, what you need now? Come on, hurry up. I mean, what are we doing here on the phone? I mean, this is insane. Um, but when, when that initial, that first love, you know what I'm talking about? That just burning, you just can't get, you're on cloud 10. Uh, you can't get enough of that other person. But then, that doesn't last, does it? You know, Lewis talks about this in, in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, but that's, that's a good thing because we have to go to work, you know. We do have other friends. Like, at that point, you're like, man, I lost my friend because he's so in love, you know. And it's like, yeah, but that won't last. It never does. But the flame ought to. The love remains. Because a lot of that is infatuation. A lot of that is just newness. But when the newness has worn off, what are we left with? Do we still love that person? When there are no feelings anymore? <laughs> when there's a baby in the bed? You know, I often say uh, the judge, like, I think there's something between us, you know? And there is, there's a baby, you know, in the bed. <laughs> um, life happens. Things occur to us and to that person that we love that oftentimes even become barriers. We want to hide. Even in some of those... And the flame starts going out. You have to tend the flame of all your relationships. And especially the flame of love who is the Holy Spirit. He must not be grieved. He must not be quenched. Notice the terminology of quenched. Pouring water on the fire. Let me just tell you, the enemy, the Satan, would love to pour some water on the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he'll throw even good things your way. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that he's always... The bad times when we're in the valley is when we oftentimes grow the most. When we see that we don't need us, but we need God. So he won't always throw bad stuff. Sometimes he distracts us simply with the good stuff. I mean, honestly, kids can get in the way of my love for Jessica. Are kids bad? Of course not. A job can get in the way. Money can get in the way. Friendships can get in the way. Stupidity can get in the way, right? It has for me, at least, okay? I'll be willing to admit it. It was. I thought, thank you. I thought so, too. Um, we must not let anything get in the way of the flame that was put in us when we were born of the Spirit. We have the Spirit living. There is no one that is saved that does not have the Spirit of God. You are not saved if you don't have the Spirit of God. And if you have the Spirit of God, He is a person. To be loved, to be obeyed, to be served, and we must tend to His person in our body. Not to grieve him. I've grieved Jessica. And she's forgiven me. I've quenched our relationship at times. Because I've been so overwhelmed. With whatever else. We've had to both pull back at times. And say. Look we can't allow this to get between us. We're not going to let this thing win. 
That's what makes me so mad about all these people who started well in my life. Marty again. He started well, was delivered, was preaching. But then started making decisions to put a lady first in his life and not Jesus Christ. In the name of love, he was doing it. I love her. I love her. I'll do whatever it takes to continue to love her. And he ended his own life in his garage. Well, her garage. And we lost a friend, a brother. And the enemy laughs. He gave Marty what looked like a good thing. And Marty put it before Jesus Christ. And that has always been a stark reminder in my own life of how someone can make shipwreck of their faith. How they can run aground. It happens quick, friends. It's one little decision here, one little decision there. This thing leads to that, and next thing we know, we're in over our head. Did you notice what the writer of Hebrews offers to us today? I love this. This, (laughs) um, Did you catch it in the text? He says, let us, three times. Now, if you go back to the Hebrew and stuff, it's it's a little different, but nonetheless, it's this term, let us. Notice, let us draw near to God in faith and worship. Let us hold fast the public confession of our hope. Let us consider or think how we ought to help others in love. Let us, let us. In other words, if you don't want to run aground, then stay with the group. You know, at my other house that we had, I had a a backyard where I could do like brush fires and all this kind of stuff, you know, in the yard. It wasn't a big deal. Nobody got scared and everything. But uh, I would have these brush fires. I'd clear the brush out of this uh, tree line and burn it all through there. And it was crazy how you stop a fire. It's like that much dirt between the fire, as long as it's not like some raging, you know, uh, forest fire. What do you call those? Wildfire? There you go. Just make a little dirt path just like that, and it ends. Little, I just scrape away like this. Be done. Or, probably cooked before and had coals. If you move one of the coals outside of the pile, what happens? Does it start raging and fire? No. It starts cooling off very quickly. I mean, you move, just move it over to the side and watch what happens. The enemy wants to do that with every single one of us. He already has a plan to do that for your children. That ought to make us wholly angry. Sometimes I feel like we don't have enough passion for anything these days. Nothing actually gets us worked up, especially not something that should get us worked up. When we see the enemy overtaking our brothers or our sister, that's time to get mad, not at them. But the sin that would snatch them away from us. And sometimes... We need to practice a holy boldness to confront that individual. Paul does this, doesn't he, in his epistles? Don't we need to be confronted sometimes? Well, that wasn't much of an amen there, right? (laughs) 
put in your notes, no amen going to happen here, buddy, you know. Um, Nobody likes to be confronted. But in love, it could save your life. It saved my life. I've literally had people to confront me. Maybe it was my dad. Maybe it was my brother. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a professor. Maybe it was all those people. At various times to confront me about something that I didn't even see about me. But needed correcting. Of course, it must be done in love. But a good confrontation can go a long way to letting somebody know, hey, I love you enough to say something to you. Let us, we should draw near. In other words, we should, not just you. We should draw near. Just like I asked the kids, why are we meet on Sunday? Well, it's, it's back to what, what has sort of been, if you will, a theme for me this year. We are to gather, we are to scatter, and we are to matter. We gather in worship. Together. Like, the, we love, I mean, you know, Jessica and I, we actually love going to church. We do. I mean, even on vacation, we like to go to church. If we get an opportunity to go to another church, just like in Chicago, just like down in uh, Destin. I mean, we went to Episcopal Church, Catholic Church. We just love it. We're like, yeah, no, I, I couldn't follow along with everything in, in the Catholic service, you know, and ended up, the one thing, I finally got to, you know, we were saying the Lord's Prayer, and I was like, finally, something I know, you know. So I'm like, I closed my eyes, I'm really getting into it. About that time, uh, Ty kicked the little altar thing, and the altar, which is pretty heavy, I was surprised how heavy it was, fe- you know, it's got this little kneeler, right? It fell on my shins, right when I was saying the Lord's Prayer, you know? And so I started praying something different at that point. But we love to worship with God's people. It's actually one of the things I'm looking most forward to next Sunday is I'm going to be in Mexico worshiping with our Mexican brothers and sisters. And it's going to be beautiful because I'll know that you guys are worshiping as well. I think of my Indian friends who already worship. I was watching a live video today of their worship service. And I, I love this. We gather. Notice, we gather to work. Not just you individually. This is a we thing. Let us come together with confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Amen to that. And then also, we, we, we scatter into groups during the week. You know, the thing about scattering is we tend to want to hide, right? It's like we want to just like, after church, we want to just go do our own thing now for the rest of the week or whatever. We just quickly go in. I mean, you, you've done the same thing I've done before. I know I'm not alone in this. You see somebody in the grocery store and you're like, oh man, oh, so... you, know, you pick up the pace a little bit because you didn't, I mean, you're hardly in a hurry. You know what I mean? You just, you don't have really time to talk to them. <laughs> or it's one of those things where you see, you're like, oh man, I, know, I didn't, I didn't, I'm pretty sure they didn't just see me, you know, and I didn't see them. You kind of both just, it's, it's just sort of weird how we are now, you know, it's just, our, our culture is just this interesting thing. Uh, that, that has formed now. And I, and I love the new series that Justin's small group has done that uh, Aaron and them just finished up with that I'm going to be uh, nudging the Yennels to do after they're done. And it, it just kind of shows what real community looks like. That we're actually meant for community. It may not always be fun to have to get up and dress up and gather and talk to other people. But you know what? We need that. It's good for the soul. And we need smaller groups than just the larger things that we do. 
Um, he doesn't say, you know, Jesus doesn't say, look, where two or three thousand have gathered, but where two or three have gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. Not, not that he's not in the big crowd, but people get lost in the big crowd. We need to look another person in the face and say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you so that their face is seared in our mind as we march through our crazy week? And I think to myself, man, I wonder how Jack and Carrie are doing with their horse. Or I wonder how this is happening. Because I have a small group that meets at Adtran, 1130 every week. You're welcome to come, by the way. And, you know, I love those people that gather. Sometimes it's not too many of them. But you know what? I'm not in it for the big numbers. I'm in it to love people. I want to be loved too. They care about me. That's crazy stuff right there. Where do you find that kind of care? And And then if you really want to get down and dirty with scattering, talk to me about our band meetings. This is the thing that fueled the Great Awakening during Wesley's time. It's the thing that started Methodism. And it fueled it. It's the longest standing revival in history. And it was because of band meetings. It wasn't because the preaching was great or, you know, the worship services were better than the next group. It was because they gave themselves to each other in groups of two or three. I mean, when you get down to that kind of level of intimacy, you say, how is your soul? I mean, who asks you that at work? You know what I mean? Like at the coffee machine, how's your soul today? Oh, you're spilling all your coffee. What in the world are you asking, man? Um, are we supposed to even say soul at work? You know, is that even legal? I mean, it's, it's the crazy how, what, what kind of time we're living in, you know? It's just, it's insane. We need each other, don't we? We do. Even sometimes we don't know that we need each other. We need it. It's like what you, you know, you're, my, uh, my grandmother, all these strong ladies in my life, they're like, you need this, you know, maybe this medicine or what. You need to go to the doctor. I'm like, I don't want to go to that. I'm, I'm all right. You need to go. And it's like, you need to. We need it. We need each other. We have to. And Jesus, does he not, being a disciple of Jesus, is following Jesus' way? How does Jesus do this thing? He has a group of two or three, doesn't he? Peter, James, and John. And then he has this small group, the 12, and then he has the multitudes. Jesus sets the pattern for us to worship together for us to band together and to serve others. You know, the last thing is just mattering. How do we matter in the world? It's by how many people we serve. Not how many people serve us. I mean, that's, a, that's just something that doesn't get said much, is it? I mean, we, we oftentimes even measure each other about, oh, you have somebody that cleans your house and cuts your grass and does this and builds your houses and does all that. Wow, that person's high status. Not in Jesus' kingdom. It's not the people who you pay to serve you. It's who you serve. How many people, just, I mean, this is just a question to throw out there for yourself. How many people do you serve on a weekly basis? Now look, count your children because you're serving them. I, Jessica serves them like crazy. She often reminds them, I'm not your maid, you know, I'm your mother. She probably doesn't have that kind of voice. I always, <laughs> you always kind of have that voice or whatever. It doesn't sound like the, you know what I mean. But anyway, hopefully she knows what I mean, right? Um, no, 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 no. Jesus measured his life by how many people he was going to serve. 
It's crazy. He takes his coat off, gets on his... This is God Almighty. A consuming fire. Gets on his knees and washes the disciples' feet. Makes them so uncomfortable. They've never seen a God like this because there is no God like that. There's not. Humans have never thought up a God like that. I've read what humans think about God. It never comes out to that. Never equates to that. Because we just project what we think is success on God. He's the most successful one. He has the most servants. But you know our reading? I don't call you servants. I call you friends. You're the friend of God. You, me, we're the friend. He's my friend. Think, of, just let that sit on your circumstance. Anybody got any circumstances they're dealing with right now? Just raise your hand. Be, be, be bold enough to raise your hand. Be like, I mean, I got some circumstances. You know what I mean? I got some circumstances. But Jesus is my friend. He knew about what I was going to walk into. And he says, you know what? Let's do this together, man. I'm going to shave off a little bit of Marshall in this process. We're going to leave that old boy behind. Because we're going on to perfection, to wholeness. And there's some things that I'm doing here more than you can see. Because this is a journey of faith. You know, he wants to do that with you. He wants to do that with me. We shouldn't just let these circumstances of life pass us by without latching on to Jesus and without allowing Him to let His love burn in our hearts. I want to be a disciple of Jesus and resurrection affects all of that. Easter affects our gathering. It affects the way we scatter each week. It affects the way we matter in the world. And I want it to for you so bad. Jesus wants our church to be a lighthouse for people to come. To be a place where we produce fruit together. Now we can't make trees grow and we can't make fruit grow. But we can tend the garden that he's given us. That's all we're trying to do. It's not about a building with mortar and brick. No, no, it's about people. It's about love. We've heard it today. Don't neglect to meet together to try to figure out, as is my translation, try to figure out how to love and do good works. I mean, we ought to sit around. We do it, small group. And say, how can we love each other better? What can we do to spread Jesus' good news to the world? Let's stir that up a little bit and see what we get. Let's try some new things. Anybody down with that? If you're not connected, I just want to say, we want you to be connected to a group. Because when the world looks at us, they ought to see the curriculum of Christ. In other words, we are God's curriculum for other people to read, to know who He is. And if we're serving self, they'll never see that Jesus that's washing the disciples' feet. Will they? No, they need to be reading a different kind of curriculum. Just let me share this and then we're done. This is from Jeremiah 31. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Notice this. I will put my law, my instructions within them. 
and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then again in 2 Corinthians 3.3, Paul wrote, You are a, I love this, you are a letter of Christ. Prepared by us. Don't you love that? That's discipleship. We are a letter of Christ prepared by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Spirit of God, as we live our lives following Your way, may the world see who we belong to by our love and our actions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.